Welcome back, everyone. This is a special weekend edition of the Blushy Boys podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Day. Um, I'm the usual host, along with my co-host, Ashley McLennan, of the regular Blushy Boys podcast edition, which you will usually hear on Wednesdays on this same channel, such as it is. Um, what I'm thinking about doing, and I, I thought about this last year, and it, the opportunity just didn't really come up. Um, we were just trying to get the regular podcast um, kind of on a regular schedule, but um, I think what I'm going to do this year is try to fly solo um, most weekends and bring you kind of a weekend edition. Um, we'll just kind of run down um, what we saw in the Tigers' first four games against the Toronto Blue Jays. They ended up splitting the, the four-game set, one today. Um mainly behind the bat of Jamer Candelario, who um, had a five-hit day. Um, Nico Goodrum was also really good today, um, had a pair of doubles, um, kind of keyed off the seventh-inning rally when the Tigers scored three runs. They loaded the bases behind that double from Goodrum. And then Jordy Mercer um, drew a walk to make, make it one nothing. And then Jamer Candelario came up again and roped a double to drive in a pair, and that put the Tigers up 3 nothing. Um Joe Jimenez had a rough go in the eighth, gave up a couple singles, and then Rowdy Tellez um, took a change up at the bottom of the zone and pretty much golfed it just over the uh, the fence in, in straightaway center field to make it 3-3. Um, so Joe took the blown save there, unfortunately. Um, looked looked for the most part pretty good. I don't, I don't see any signs there's going to be any problem with Joe. Just one of those days. The change up against lefties isn't a bad idea. Um, he just needed to probably get it on the outer edge of the zone, and instead it was kind of kind of middle in, but at the bottom um, of the zone, and was hit out. Um, so Buck Farmer did a nice job in relief. Um, the Tigers got pretty good relief work for the most part all series long. And then in the um, the eleventh inning, it was Nick Castellanos who drove in the game winning run. Shane Green had a little bit of a rocky save effort, but did manage to lock it down. And so the Tigers, yes, yeah, split the um, the opening series 2-2 two to two against the Blue Jays. Overall, the first four games really featured excellent starting pitching um, by the Detroit Tigers in general. Um, we had pretty good outings from Matt Boyd and Spencer Turnbull on Friday and Saturday. Jordan Zimmerman was awesome on opening day on Thursday. Uh, Matt Moore actually looked really good um, today on Sunday. Um, surprisingly good. Uh, Matt Moore is a guy who hasn't really had any success in the majors in a really long time. The Toronto Blue Jays lineup is not particularly good. Um, their lineup overall is probably weaker than the, than the Tigers is. Maybe it's a wash. Um, they do have, obviously, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and a, another great shortstop prospect in Bo Bichette. Um, both of those two guys will be up sometime this year, hopefully soon. And at that point, the Blue Jays, um, the Blue Jays lineup should be pretty good. Actually, um, could could get to an above average level. Um, but the starting pitching for the Tigers was good. And let's just kind of walk through those four outings. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the offense, and then I've got a couple other topics um, to hit on before we wrap it up. Yeah, this is generally going to be like a, a shorter, hopefully half hour type episode. I'll, I'll try to hit the key points a little more effectively. The normal podcast with Ashley and I is kind of a kind of just an ongoing conversation between the two of us, um, and we like to hit on, you know, anything that's kind of going on, any major news around the game, um, as well as kind of recapping the Tigers. So hopefully, by me doing these, that kind of frees um, frees up some of the sort of bookkeeping that we usually do at the beginning of the podcast, where we're just sort of running down news that probably most of the regular readers of BlessYouBoys.com are already familiar with. So let's go back to Thursday. Um, Jordan Zimmerman, 70 pitches, 7 innings, no runs. Took a perfect game into the 7th inning with 2 outs in the 7th inning. Gave up the, his first hit of the game. 
um, you know, really just, you know, pitched with superb artistry. It was just, you know, when Jordan Zimmerman is on um, he, and he's commanding his slider, the man just has excellent command. And even with the, you know, diminished fastball that we've seen since he came over to, to Detroit, um, he can still be really effective. Again, this isn't a great lineup, um, but when you pitch like that, um, Grayson Griner, I thought, did a nice job behind the plate, um, got a lot of strikes around the edges for Zimmerman, called a good game. When you pitch like that and you've got three good pitches to work with, um, and then you add in perhaps a pretty darn good-looking changeup, which we saw a few times from Zimmerman, um, which he doesn't usually throw. He mixed that into a couple lefties, got at least one whiff, one strikeout just off the changeup alone. So that was all really, really darn good to see. Um, you know, as long as Zimmerman's healthy, he should be an effective starting pitcher. He has been the past, you know, couple years. Um, as frustrated as people are with Jordan Zimmerman and his contract, um, you know, it's largely just been a a result that's that's come from the neck injuries he's had. Um, when he's been healthy, he's still ripped off pretty nice stretches of pitching for us. Um, he's not dominant anymore, but he can definitely go out there and be effective for six and seven innings. Um, he's a good leader for the rotation. And, you know, while he's overpaid, um, you know, it would be nice to see the Tigers get something out of him this year. Um, he came into spring camp feeling healthier than he had in the past couple seasons. And so far, that looks to be the case. Um, I don't know if the Tigers are ever going to be able to move that contract. But if he pitches really well in the first half, you know, it's not impossible that if the Tigers eat a good chunk of uh, of the money still owed to him, which, you know, mid, mid-season decide to, you know, they're willing to take on at least half that. Um, it's possible they may be able to move them. You're not going to get a whole lot back, but I'm sure the Tigers would like to get under out from under that contract just because there's there's no real future for Zimmerman in Detroit as part of the rebuild. Um, he's already into his well into his 30s and isn't going to be around. But um, but that was a really nice outing. Um, the offense looked terrible. Um, the offense looked terrible for most of the series. Um, Kristen Stewart did come through with a monster two-run shot in the 10th inning of Game One um, that gave the Tigers the margin of victory. That was good to see. Um, Kristen Stewart had a rough series otherwise. And, you know, one of the scouting notes that's kind of always followed him is that as good a hitter as he's been throughout the minor leagues, um, you know, showing good plate discipline and really, really good raw power, like approaching plus-plus raw power, um, he can still be overpowered by fastballs at the top of the zone, especially. Um, I'm not sure how much of a scouting note that is because being vulnerable to velocity um, applies to just about every major league hitter. Um, If you look at... You know, batting average on balls in play, um, OPS against, you know, as as fastball velocity increases, the numbers hit, hitters put up against those fastballs inevitably go down. Um, so that's just kind of, you know, it's something to watch for to see if um, if that's like a unique problem for Stewart. But um, but in general, that's a that's a problem for every hitter. So I'm not going to take too much out of that. Um, he's a rookie. He's going to have his struggles, but um, it's also possible that he comes out and just mashes 30 home runs for us with a, a nice on-base percentage. Um, and he's actually looked better in um, in left field than I think a lot of people expected. Um, based on what I saw, particularly when he was with Erie, um, I didn't see him play a lot of defense um, with the Mud Hens, especially last year. So you kind of don't know what to expect. The grades he draws from scouts are, are, aren't good. Um, he's not particularly fast out there, doesn't have much of a throwing arm at all. Um, but he looked to be covering ground pretty well, anticipating the ball reasonably well, and it looks like he's not going to hurt you out there at least. Um, he's definitely not going to be a plus, but as long as he's not brutal out there, um, he should be able to be a plus player overall for the Tigers this season. And then you just hope he'll he'll grow from that and go on. Um, game two, um, the Tigers dropped, and you know Matt Boyd basically pitched you know, some of the best baseball I've seen from him, honestly, um, except for the one inning where he gave up like four singles in a row, it seemed like, um, and a walk. Um, surrendered three runs in one inning. Um, that, that was a theme throughout the series. 
Um, the Blue Jays scored three runs um, in two different innings in games two and three. Um, the Tigers did it to them today, and so that was just kind of a, a you know a meaningless a meaningless note. But it was kind of funny that uh, that both all the starting pitchers basically seemed to do well except for one inning where they they went sideways. Um, Boyd struck out ten in five innings. Um, the slider and curveball combination looked just awesome. And the difference between Matt Boyd this year and last year is that he's throwing, you know, 92 to 94 now, um, whereas for much of last season, his velocity was down, notably. Um, he did get it back as the season progressed, but, you know, he built a new slider last off offseason, um, heading into the 2018 season, and, you know, just pitched out of his mind with that, with that offering all year. Um, and now he's got that slider, and he's got the velocity back. So, you know, we may be in for a pretty darn good season from, from Matt Boyd. Um, he still gets a lot of fly balls, and that's that can work just fine in Comerica Park, but you are going to probably still see him struggle at times in opposing stadiums, especially smaller parks, where allowing that many fly balls is going to get you some cheap home runs against. Um, so we'll just have to see if he can kind of um, keep that from uh, from biting him too badly, because otherwise he's he's looking like he's turning into a you know a really nice mid rotation starter, um, maybe with a little more upside than that. Um, the breaking balls really really look sharp. Um, I mentioned in one of the comments, you know, it's like he's slinging frisbees up there, and that was that was pretty much what we saw on Friday. Um, Saturday was a little bit different story. Um, you know, Spencer Turnbull is a guy that we wrote a lot about this spring. Um, he's he's sort of a, a, a you'd almost call him a former prospect um, who kind of lost that a lot of his prospect stock due to injuries in 2015 and 2016. Um, the Tigers took him initially in the second round in 2014 out of the University of Alabama, and we all really liked that pick. Um, and for the first you know year or two, Spencer Turnbull was pretty high up in the Tigers' prospect rankings, um, but you know just kind of had repeated shoulder, shoulder, eh, shoulder trouble um, both those seasons in 15 and 16, and it, it started to look like he just wasn't going to be able to make any progress as a starting pitcher. Um, and the prognosis is kind of kind of developed into an, an expectation that at some point Spencer Turnbull will probably be best served as a reliever. Um, but he sort of, um, he, he turned the title on that, you know, projection quite a bit over the past two seasons. He finally got a lot healthier. Um, and with health, you know, he was able to take a step forward with his command. Um, we saw his slider improve quite a bit. Um, he's always had, you know, like a good slider and a good curveball at their best. Um, but he does tend to be pretty erratic with them. Um, and what we've seen so far this season is some of the best stuff, you know, I've ever seen Spencer Turnbull throw consistently. Um, he's got a rising fastball that he can bend into a cutter as well. Um, and that has above average spin. So he's able to sit at the top of the zone with that pitch. And what's rare is that you don't often see too many guys who have a, a well above average spin rate on the four seamer and then a well below average spin rate on the sinker, um, uh, which helps generate more sink and drop on the, on the fastball. Um, he's got both of those, which is nice because he's able to pitch, you know, start pitches at the bottom of the zone and get them to drop below the zone and get a lot of guys to beat the ball into the ground. Uh, but then he can also kind of buzz you with a rising fastball up top that guys are going to have a real hard time catching up to. Um, he can hit 97, even 98. He's usually going to sit 93, 94 or so. Um, and you know, the outing was pretty darn good. You know, he had, he too had one inning where he gave up a whole bunch of line drive singles all in a row. Uh, but other than that, it was pretty unhittable. I think what you saw there, though, is kind of a microcosm of who Spencer Turnbull is um, and one of the reasons why people do still kind of tend to think he's going to end up as a reliever. Um, I kind of still tend to think that as well. We'll just have to see. Um, 
But the problem with, with Turnbull is that he tends to come out looking really good for a couple innings, and then as he fatigues, um, the stuff kind of backs up on him. Um, his command backs up, especially of his off-speed pitches, and you just see him kind of wasting a lot more pitches, um, looking like he's laboring out of the stretch, especially if he gets into some trouble um, in the fourth, fifth, and sixth innings. And that was pretty much what you saw um, on Saturday. Now, it was nice that he was able to bounce back and come back with a strong inning after giving up the runs. Um, that was a good sign for him. Um, he wasn't particularly efficient overall, and so he wasn't really going to go beyond five innings. But um, overall, you know, not a bad day for him. Um, and then we talked a little bit about Matt Moore, but, um, you know, Moore is a guy who, you know, the signing, you know, didn't really impress anybody too much. Um, they went out and got Matt Moore really early on in the free agent season and, um, paid him $2.5 million, which is reasonable. Um, but there were a lot of us who would have preferred someone like Matt Shoemaker or possibly, um, you know, Drew Pomerantz was, was another kind of lefty option, um, that would have been a good bounce back candidate. You know, there were a few others. Obviously, we we all would have liked to see the Tigers pick up Garrett Richards on a two-year deal and stash him, um, waiting for his his return from Tommy John surgery next year. So there were options. Um, the Tigers didn't go with some of those other ones, and you never know for sure. You know, maybe Shoemaker, despite his Detroit ties, just wasn't that interested in coming here. Um, maybe they just really loved Matt Moore. But um, you know, so far Matt Moore has, has you know, kind of backed up their faith in him. Um, you know, was was looking you know better than I've seen him in a few years, like hitting ninety four, ninety five, pretty consistently. Um, Matt Moore throws a lot of fastballs. He you know has a has a pretty good like rising fastball, gets a lot of you know rising life on it, and doesn't really have a whole lot else that's that's really ever impressed. He'll throw like a knuckle curve. He's got a change. Um, he's got kind of a cutter slider. Um, pitch, you know, it gets classified as a cutter. It's basically a hard slider at say 88, 89 miles an hour. Uh, but he doesn't use those, those off speed pitches all that much. He's a guy who will go out there and throw you 60% or more fastballs. Um, and he mixed in all three of his secondaries, um, today on Sunday and was pretty darn effective. Um, racked up six strikeouts, um, was busting the cutter in on people's hands, um, getting guys to swing under the fastball up. Uh, overall, it was a uh, you know, pretty impressive um, debut in a Tigers uniform, so that was good, and we will see if he can kind of keep that going. Um, as far as the offense goes, you know, Nick Cassianos looked good, um, Nico Goodrum looked good, Miggy had a few hits before getting hit on the hand, um, but overall, you know, it wasn't a particularly uh, effective um, set of games for the Tigers offense overall. Jamer Candelario really struggled the first couple days, and we saw people kind of kind of worrying over him already. Um, you know, kind of getting dusted by a lot of fastballs up out of the zone. Um, wasn't able to lay off those the first three days. Um, today he did, um, you know, racking up five hits, including two doubles. I'm not going to worry too much about Jamer Candelario. Um, really the only thing that seemed to hold him back last year was when his wrist started barking at him um, about midway through the season. And really from that point on, he wasn't particularly effective at all. Um, he was pretty brutal at the at the plate. Um, so far he's, he's looked healthy, um, and I don't think we're going to have too much trouble. It was nice seeing... Ron Gardenhire switched things up and put um, Candelario up at the in the leadoff spot today, and obviously he responded well. But um, Candelario is a guy who will take a lot of pitches. Um, generally, he doesn't leave the strike zone too much. Um, he's got pretty good bat control, um, can fight through a long at bat. And really the only reason not to have him leading off um, for this team right now is the fact that you know he's not a, he's not a base-dealing threat. Um, he's not great on the base paths in general. But, um, you know, Josh Harrison isn't particularly great on the base pass either and doesn't get on base as much as Candelario probably will. So, you know, we've, we kind of questioned the Harrison as the leadoff hitter idea all spring. 
Um, but you know, it's one of those things where you can kind of experiment um, and just kind of let Garden Hire kind of try people out there, see how it goes. You know, Harrison is a type of guy who will usually steal you, you know, 10 to 20 bags per season. Um, he's a little older now, so you don't know if he's quite gonna gonna rack up that many steals. But the problem is that when you're hitting leadoff and you're, in, you know, you've got Nick Castellanos and Miguel Cabrera coming up behind you, you just don't get that many chances to run. Um, it's one of the, you know, kind of the flaws in the whole idea of having a speedy, you know, base stealing leadoff man is that you don't end up wanting them to run. You know, if it's Billy Hamilton or someone who's going to, you know be safe 80% of the time. Sure, a guy like that can run wild, but there just aren't very many guys like that. Josh Harrison certainly isn't one of them. So we'll have to see um, how the lineup kind of evolves over the course of the, you know, the early going here. Um, Harrison might actually do you better in the middle of the lineup, kind of functioning as a, a second leadoff hitter, you know, somewhere around the sixth spot where he can get on base, uh, run wild a little bit more, and try to, you know, set things up for, you know, the weaker part of the Tigers lineup, which is pretty weak, you know, when you've got Jordy Mercer and Grayson Griner back there, um, Mikey Matuk, you know, guys like that, um, Jacoby Jones, hopefully when he returns, because we could really use that defense in center field, um, you know, those guys aren't going to get on base that much, and so having your, your speed guys who can maybe wreak a little havoc, um, hit behind runners, that sort of thing, um, at the back of the lineup might be the way to go, but we'll just kind of see... What, um, what Ron Gardenhire and the Tigers coaching staff thinks as the season progresses. Um, overall, let's take a look at the, the bullpen in the series. And, um, you know, for the most part, the bullpen perched pretty, pretty well. The two guys who, who struggled were really Shane Green and Joe Jimenez on Sunday. Um, both of them had just looked a little bit erratic with their command. I didn't really see anything particularly notable wrong um, with either one of them. So we'll just probably just chalk that up to just a one-time outing kind of a thing. Um, I thought Victor Alcantara looked really good again, um, showcasing a pretty nasty changeup to go along with, you know, just a, a kind of an electric tailing fastball sinker that he throws. Um, Alcantara has a, a pretty hard slider um, that doesn't have a whole lot of depth or movement in it, so him having that changeup dialed in and able to locate that um, will really help keep um, left-handers especially off the fastball. Um, but overall, you know, he's been effective uh, for quite a bit now. You know, the Tigers brought him up um, in midway point of last season, and he had a really good second half for us. Um, keeps the ball on the ground. Um, doesn't get a ton of whiffs, but um, but that may be, may be coming along. Um, so we'll just have to keep an eye on him. Um, Reed Garrett, the Tigers' Rule 5 pick, pitched pretty well. Um, showcased 95-96 with rising life. Um, good fastball and a really tight, nasty, hard slider as well. Um, he's another one who, you know, it's just a question of whether or not he can command it. Um, the stuff is definitely major league quality. And then, um, you know, Buck Farmer, it feels like the Tigers have kind of realized that like throwing Buck Farmer for more than one inning at a time is just a bad idea. Um, he just seems to get out of whack the, the further he goes into games. Um, and yes, that is kind of a nod to the head whack in his delivery. Um, but going one inning at a time, he looked pretty darn good. Um, Blaine Hardy got into a little bit of trouble, but looked all right for the most part. Um, showed a lot of his changeup, which was looking pretty good. Um, just missed his spots a little bit. And then Daniel Norris, you know, still looks like he's having trouble driving off his back leg. Um, it just doesn't look like he's, he's figured that rhythm out. Um, he looked fine, but he's, when he's hanging, um, fastballs to his arm side, um, you know, into the left-handed hitters batters box, um, that's a good sign that he's just not, not getting out in front and getting the extension he needs on his pitches. Um, 
He threw a couple curveballs, which I don't see enough of from him, and I wish they would call for it more because Daniel does have a really high spin rate curveball for how hard he throws it. That's a good pitch, um, and if he can kind of shape that pitch to look a little bit more like a slider, um, the way Matt Boyd has, um, he could really have something there because both pitches are really good. They're both plus pitches, um, and especially with his fastball velocity kind of topping out at 93 nowadays rather than 95, um, that could be a benefit to him. But um, it just just kind of goes to the idea that you know Daniel Norris just needs to keep getting um, keep getting reps in, um, rebuilding that arm strength and getting used to being able to pitch without pain. Um, I've seen a lot of people kind of speculating, wondering why his velocity's down. And you know we've kind of talked about this for two years. I mean when you are pitching with groin injuries and you can't take a full stride, you know it affects everything. Um, it's not just you know it doesn't just affect your extension. It doesn't just affect your velocity. It, it affects your command. It affects your release point. Um, it affects everything. And if you thought to yourself, if you basically, if you conceived of Daniel Norris as someone who had been out for the past two seasons and was just coming back, people would be a lot more patient with him. And I basically, I think that's the approach they should take because he hasn't pitched healthy in almost two seasons. Um, and he probably should have been on the mound a lot of that time. Um, and I'll take the Tigers to task a little bit for letting him pitch in such a, you know, a compromised fashion. Um, they're lucky he didn't end up with an arm injury based on, you know, how he was throwing, um, on the fact that he was having to kind of short stride it and throw mostly with his arm strength, um, that's that's a good way to get hurt. Um, we saw Jordan or Jordan just Justin Berlander um, when he had bilateral core, sports hernia surgery, basically a core injury um, prior to the 2014 season. You know he rehabbed, got back in you know decent condition, but wasn't in the normal kind of you know shape um, built up with an off season of working out that he would normally be in and pitched in a compromised fashion all year long and, you know, was barely hitting 91, 92 most of the year. And it was all arm strength and he suffered, you know, a lot of shoulder inflammation actually had to miss a start. And they were very lucky in the end that he didn't end up, um, you know, with, with an arm injury as well. Uh, he was able to get himself back into great shape um, the off season before the 2015 season um, suffered the lat strain late in spring training, but basically from that point on, once once his lower half was strong and he had his delivery back, you know the velocity started to come back for Verlander pretty quickly, and you know has only built back up until you know now he's he's able to top out 97, 98, and sit there late in games pretty consistently again, which is ridiculous um, for a pitcher, you know with with his mileage um, at age 36, but you've got to kind of translate that to Dan, you know, Daniel Norris's situation. Obviously, Daniel Norris is nowhere near the pitcher that Justin Verlander is, but it's the same concept. Um, you know, you, you pitch from the ground up, and when your mechanics are screwed up for two seasons, it doesn't just come back overnight. Um, you know, Daniel worked on it this offseason. Um, he tried some different things in his, in his training to sort of build up his hip flexibility and mobility, um, like mixed in some like Taekwondo, um, you know, exercise, particularly, you know, just throwing kicks and that kind of thing to try to try to limber all that up. But um, so far, you know, it's been kind of hit or miss. Like he's had outings where he looked really good. Um, you could see 93, 94 coming back. And then we've seen other outings where he's still not getting out um, with his full extension and he's hanging pitches at the top of the zone um, and just not as effective. So, you know, just keep sending him up. Um, my take on that is still that I w would like the Tigers to send Daniel Norris to, to Toledo and basically just treat him like they would a 25-year-old prospect. I mean, he's a year younger, I think, than Spencer Turnbull, who just you know made his major debut, um, major league debut on Saturday as a starter. And just kind of restart Norris that way. Um, send him back to Toledo, let him start, let him use all of his pitches, let him pitch on a regular five-day schedule. 
and just, you know, and just kind of let them make a new approach to the major leagues um, rather than kind of what tends to happen is that once you pitch in the major leagues and had success as Norris has, they kind of just keep sending you up. And obviously the player themselves doesn't want to go back down and, you know, basically make far less, um, far less money and also just not be in the thick of things at the major league level with their teammates. But the Tigers are going to need Daniel Norris to start um, with Michael Fulmer out. You know, Spencer Turnbull was the guy that we kind of looked at to be the sixth man, you know, the guy who would come up from Toledo with the first injury or that Daniel Norris would be that guy. Um, once it became clear, the Tigers were going to go with Matt Moore almost no matter what uh, as as one of their starters. And so they're probably going to need Norris to do that same thing. Um, he's going to need to be ready to start because at some point someone's going to get hurt. They're going to need to have him stretched out. And, you know, when you look at the Toledo roster, there isn't really a starting pitching candidate down there that I want to see um, at least early in the season come up and pitch for the Tigers. So that's the Daniel Norris saga, and we'll see how that goes. Um, the Tigers will start a three-game set in New York against the Yankees on Monday. Um, Tyson Ross will get the first start, and this will be his first outing of the year for the Tigers. Um, it's kind of a harsh assignment to draw the Yankees um, in their home ballpark for your first outing as a Tiger, but um, Tyson Ross is a veteran, and I imagine that's why um, Ron Gardner preferred to kind of have him take that, that first outing um, in hostile territory rather than, you know, having Spencer Turnbull go out there and try to do it or Matt Moore. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably the thinking there. So we'll see Tyson Ross on Monday. And then the Tigers, of course, after playing three there, will come back um, home on Thursday. And I believe Spencer Turnbull is slated to get the opening day start in Comerica Park for Tigers opening day. So um, everyone down there um, Thursday for that chaos and madness we'll uh we'll have the opportunity to see turnbull pitch which should be pretty fun and really that about wraps it up for um toronto detroit um that series um there's a whole lot else to say you know the defense i thought by the tigers was was solid for the most part uh, mikey matu did not play well in center field um it wasn't necessarily so much a matter of of his range not being enough in center field as it was he just made a couple bonehead errors out there um, Nick Cassianos looked quite good, actually. Um, made a couple running plays, um, including a sliding play in foul territory today. Um, Kristen Stewart picked a rebound off the wall and, and prevented a double today. Uh, made a nice throw to second base to hold the runner at first. So far, there hasn't been much to see there. Um, Nick Castellanos obviously was one of the worst, if not the worst, outfielder in the game last year. Um, but I don't know, my take on that has been that he, he looked bad early last season um, and even into the middle of last season, but I thought he played pretty well um, down the stretch, and I don't think you're going to see Nick Castellanos be the worst defender in baseball this year. Um, I think you will see some some substantive improvement there um, as he heads into his, as he enters his free agent season. Um, he had every reason to work really hard this, this offseason to get better out there. You know, told the Tigers he didn't really want to start, you know, working on first base um, with a year to go until free agency, which is totally understandable. Um, taking on his, you know, third position in two seasons, um, you know, when he's trying to earn the biggest contract and really the only opportunity he's liable to have to earn a really big contract in his career um, is a lot to ask of a guy. Um, and if the Tigers had offered Nick Cassianos an extension the way we have endlessly suggested um, on both the podcast and in articles on the site, um, then maybe you could kind of push him in that direction and ask him to try to mix a little bit, bit of first base in there. But um, but as things stand, he's going to play right field most of the time. Um, we'll probably get some spots at, at you know in the DH spot, um, and, and they'll have Nico Goodrum or possibly Dustin Peterson fill in for him out there and right on those days. But, um, you know, 
six out of seven games, I would expect to see Nick in right field, and I don't expect it to be as bad as it was last year. So um, take some comfort there. The Tigers really could use Jacoby Jones back in center field, even if the bat doesn't show much improvement. Um, they, they really need him out there. They're, they're really going to need him out there at home, especially. Um, so hopefully he can get back on the field before the Tigers have, have made a couple home stands because um, they're going to need him out there. Um, and then finally, you know, the big man has looked pretty good. You know, um, Miguel Cabrera didn't swing the bat great the first um, first couple games, but he did have a couple hits on Saturday before getting hit in the hand. Um, x-rays were negative, so he appears to be good to go. He was back in the lineup today. Didn't do a whole lot. Um, basically was robbed of a home run right at the top of the wall in left field um, by Teoscar Hernandez. That ball was probably two feet from going out, but it wasn't going to go out, um, so he came up just a little bit short there. But, um, you know, seems to be healthy, swinging the bat well, um, and has played some nice defense at first base, which you kind of forget that he will do for you. Um, Anybody who watched John Hicks play a lot of first base last year will be very thankful to see Miggy back there at least most of the time. Um, And hopefully they can keep him rested and and off his feet here and there, get him some days um, as the DH, get him some days off. But um, for the the most part, everything looks good there. Um, You know, Miguel's lifted the ball in the air to the pull field, which is what we've been kind of worried about the past, you know, season and a half. and just haven't seen him be able to do that um, so often, mainly because of the back injuries, um, the the tightness in his lower back. And so he seems to be swinging the bat pretty well, and we will just hope that continues. Um, That's going to about wrap it up for the Tigers. Let's just, before I go... Um, and this is kind of going to be about the length of these these episodes. It's probably going to run about a half hour. Um, I just want to touch on the fact that the um, the Toledo Mudhens will have their opening day at home against the Louisville Bats on Thursday of this week. So that might be a fun thing to go check out down there. Um, the Toledo Mudhens actually have some talent, um, some talent that you will probably see help out at the major league level this year. Um, as far as the rotation, you basically got a lefty kind of command and control guy in Tyler Alexander, um, a similar guy in Matt Hall, uh, although he's got even a little bit less uh, power stuff, but he also does have a really high spin curveball. Um, he's kind of a, you know, a slightly knockoff version of Rich Hill, and if he can keep his command and really refine his changeup, he does have an outside chance of being kind of a back-end starter. Um, but he's really going to need all that to come together just to relieve at the major league level because you're just not going to see the loogie types anymore. Um, the way the rules are, are starting to evolve, um, you know, the league doesn't want, the league would really like to force every relief pitcher to see at least three batters. Um, and that might happen as soon as next year. And that's really going to kill the loogie, um, as an option. They may, you never know the type they're also talking about. Um, you know, the, the roster expanding to 26 on a normal basis so that there'd be a 26-man roster instead of a 25. Um, but the caveat there has always been that they don't want to add another pitcher spot. And so that would probably not help uh, a guy like Matt Moore either get uh, get regular time. So we'll just see how he does. Uh, Brian Carpenter, um, another lefty, was with the um, was with the, the Mudhens last year. Saw some action with the Tigers. Wasn't effective at all. Um, he has a, a pretty darn good curveball. And the fastball is decent, but um, just doesn't really have the command and doesn't have enough stuff to get away without precise command. And Ryan Carpenter, I think, is 28 or 29 now. So it really doesn't seem like it's going to happen for him. Um, he's a guy that I wouldn't expect to still be on the 40-man roster um, throughout the season. The Tigers are probably going to need that spot for something else, and Ryan Carpenter just hasn't really panned out. Um we mentioned Matt Hall. The two kind of final guys, Kyle Funkhauser and Bo Burrows, are both going to be in the starting rotation at Erie or at um, Toledo, and both of those guys are interesting. Kyle Funkhauser um, was drafted in the fourth round of the 2016 draft. 
Um, he had been a, you know, a first round pick um, the year before and declined to sign with the Dodgers and you know, went back for his senior year and had some arm troubles and struggled. Um, the Tigers were really pretty fortunate to pick him up in the fourth round. Um, he's a lot like Funkhauser in a way, or I'm sorry, a lot like Turnbull in a way, and that Funkhauser has a pretty darn good fastball um, and a good slider, but doesn't tend to sustain um, his command throughout his outings. Um, he'll get a little bit nibbly as things go along. Um, the fastball tends to lose effectiveness. Um, it doesn't have a ton of life on it, even though he can touch 97 as well. Um, it's He's another guy who you kind of tend to, to suspect will end up as a reliever long term, but um, but he's got another year down there to you know work on all of his secondary pitches, work on his his command of everything, and and try to find ways to get through lineups on um, the second and, th- and third time a little bit more effectively um, than we've seen in the past. And then Bo Burrows, um, you know, was the Tigers' number one pick in 2015 out of high school. Um, he's developed pretty nicely, although in 2018 he really kind of seemed to hit a bit of a wall. Um, he was successful at the double A level, which for his age um, was was all you really expected to see. But we didn't really see a whole lot um, from his breaking stuff, um, and that's where we've been kind of looking to see developments with him. He's got a really good fastball. Um, Bo can ramp it up there, ninety eight, ninety nine, with a lot of life. Um, but really, it's the secondary pitches and his overall command. Um, the command has come along, but he's still got steps to take there. And you'd really like to see um, the curveball. And the slider, both, or I'm sorry, and the changeup both improve. Um, we saw a better changeup last year. I think that was maybe the one pitch where he did make some some pretty good improvements. But the um, the curveball slider just haven't really come along, and he's going to need that a little bit more um, this year. And to break into the major leagues as a starter, he's going to need both at least one of those two pitches to be consistent as well, um, alongside the curveball and the fastball. But he's an interesting guy to watch. So, um, yeah, overall that rotation will have some intrigue and you will probably see a few of those guys in the majors this year. Um, as far as the bullpen, um, Sandy Baez, who the Tigers converted from starting to relief last year, will be at Toledo. Um, he's a guy who should get called up um, relatively early if he's pitching well. Um, Jose Cidnero, who was basically playing unaffiliated ball as recently as last year, um, used to play for the Houston Astros and was in their system until he had Tommy John surgery, I think, in 2015. And he's just kind of been in the wilderness ever since. Um, he's 30 years old, um, but we, you know, he, he seems like he might be a guy who the Tigers picked out of obscurity who might be really good for him. Um, we saw a really nasty fastball up to 98 miles an hour with a really good slider in spring training. Um, and his command looked pretty good. And he's another another one of those classic guys who would certainly be a major league reliever if his command was a grade better. Um, <clears throat> and it looked like it was this spring. If he can keep that going, I would expect he'll, him to be a guy who doesn't take too long to be called up, although he would have to be added onto the 40-man roster. Um, Jose Fernandez is a guy they picked up um, who the the Toronto Blue Jays released this offseason. Um, another hard-throwing lefty, kind of look, you know, a little bit stump, Daniel Stumpfish. Um, we'll see. He might get his shot as well. Um, looked okay in the spring. Nothing, nothing too fancy. Pretty hard thrower for a lefty. Um, not particularly impressive secondary stuff or command, though, so we'll see if he can take a little step. Um, and then Zach Houston probably is the, the most interesting reliever um, down there in Toledo. He is a hard thrower, real big guy who kind of has like this skip step off the mound um, and as a result gets huge, huge extension toward the plate. Um, big fastball, big slider. Um, it's just a question with that delivery whether he can refine his command and, and be consistent. But, um, but he did a, a nice job as the closer for the Muntheads last year. And he's another guy who I wouldn't expect it to take too long before he, he sees some time at the major league level. So um, that's kind of the, the rundown for the Mud Hens. 
the as the minor league season gets underway late next week. Um, we'll have a lot of coverage of that over at Bless You Boys, and obviously our coverage on the minor leagues and the Tigers farm system will be extensive again this year. Um, since that's where, you know, honestly, a lot of the promise of the future lies, we're dedicating a lot more focus to it. Um, we hired Keenan Carter last year. Um, Keenan does a lot of coverage of the minor leagues for us. Um, Jay Markle does a lot of coverage of the, the farm system and the draft for us. And then we've also got Adam Dubbin on board this year, uh, who's done a lot of great work already, um, getting video from Lakeland. Um, Lakeland is the one um, the one of the Tigers, you know, four full season affiliates where we don't get a, a, a live video feed on minor league TV. Um, and so a lot of times guys kind of go into a dead zone in Lakeland and we're hoping Adam can kind of help fill the, fill the void there. Um, it's not too hard to do coverage of the minor leagues from Erie and Toledo because those games are all broadcast for the most part. Um, we can at least, you know, get a decent look, although it's not the same as being in the stands, but we will also um, be on hand at a lot of those games. Um, Keenan will get out to a bunch. Um, I intend to do so as well. And we will probably have Jay Markle out there in West Michigan as well. Um, covering games for us as well as baseball prospectus, um, which he also writes for. So you can kind of look for all that coverage to come. Um, that's going to kind of wrap up this episode. Um, we'll just kind of see what day of the week um, I can bring these out on. Um, we're pretty b- busy as it is, and I don't know. We'll just kind of have to see how it goes, I suppose, and play it by ear. I'm intending on doing a lot of these like Sunday afternoon after all the weekend games are wrapped up, but it, it may just depend on my schedule, and I may just put an episode out on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, possibly Monday morning, any of those times. So look for that ep- um, that weekend edition episode um, in the future, and then look for our regular episode with myself and Ashley McLennan on um, Wednesday mornings. And then Keenan Carter will also have the Minor League Tracker podcasts, which come out um, generally weekly. Um, we'll just kind of have to see how his work schedule allows. Uh, but Keenan's done a really nice job covering the farm um, in general and does a nice job on that podcast. Um, he had an interview with Tariq Scruble, um a couple weeks ago. I think it was the last episode. Um, Scruble's a guy the Tigers drafted um, last year in the middle rounds and has a really big fastball for a lefty, big rising fastball and a good breaking ball. Um, he's a guy who probably didn't get a whole lot of acclaim, but might be a, a sleeper that the Tigers picked up. And we're all going to be interested in seeing how he does this year because he's, he definitely has the stuff to potentially move up um, pretty high in the farm system rankings um, this season if he has a good year. Um, and yeah, in general, Keenan will have some other interviews like that and general coverage of the minor league um, system. And that's going to about wrap it up for this first episode. Um, Like I said, generally look for these um, sometime around the weekend. I may just call them weekend edition. I may just wing it and just throw them out whenever I get annoyed and want to yell at the Tigers um, in podcast form by myself. Um, We'll just kind of have to play it by ear. Um, But um, but hopefully these will add a little bit to, um, to our coverage from a podcast perspective. And that will about do it for this one. So keep an eye on BlessYouBoys.com. We'll have a ton of coverage coming out this week. We'll have previews of the farm system, um, each different um, full season level, uh, previews of the rosters and kind of who the major players are at each level um, from A ball to advanced A, double A, and the triple A level. And that's going to be a big part of what we're looking at this season as the Tigers continue, um, hopefully, to be rebuilding. Right now, we know they're tearing down. Um, we're waiting to see the rebuilding start start coming along. So... Follow us all there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Fiscadoro74. You can follow us at BlessYouBoys.com as well. And that'll about do it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye.